0: This episode, you meet Cliff Clifford, a 76 grad who went from uh, uh, graduation flying F-15s to medical school where he became an ophthalmologist, to uh, where he practiced medicine in the state of Kansas, to where he has now fallen into Kansas state politics. And I know we're not supposed to talk politics and stuff on on these podcasts, but I think his his approach and his uh, message. Everybody's slightly different than any national garbage we're we're seeing on the TV. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, To get this going, I want to thank you for being part of this. This will be exciting. Oh, it is. It's a great series.
1: Uh, Enjoy uh, reading uh, others uh, about others experience
0: and share mine. So I always like to start off with kind of a, uh, the, just the icebreaker is what, what message would you like to give to the uh, incoming cadets, the current cadets, the, the recent grads, and then the old folks like us?
1: <laughs> well, I always felt like we were all in it together. You know, if you get cut out of the herd and you're dropped for 50, and your classmates step up, 300 of them, or 600, or just 30, and do drop with you, uh, it's a hell of a lot easier. And uh, that's certainly true throughout life and uh, throughout the service. Um, you're in this not alone. Uh, this path has been paved by many ahead of you and uh, stand shoulder to shoulder with your peers. And uh, you can handle anything. Uh, you just look at our class and look at what people have done. Uh, and, uh, you know, we don't need to take the credit for it. We, uh, we're just proud that, uh, of the accomplishment. We did it together.
0: No, that's, that's, that's great. That's a, that's a, that's a good message. It, it is a, it is a team event, even though you're suffering individually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I've always said, uh, in the operating room, as you know, I'm an eye surgeon now, uh, surgery is a team sport. Uh, certainly there are surgeons among us and maybe pilots among us who feel they were born knowing how to do these things. But, uh, when you really uh, are humble and, and think about it, uh, everyone has to do their job for something to go well and and for you as as the captain or quarterback or, or the surgeon uh or, or the command pilot uh you to, to look good every team member has to do their job exceptionally well
0: well that that that's that's classic I and mean, that's something that uh i picked up on when i was in my flying career was i was not a pilot but If I was not having a good day, my pilot typically would not have a good day. So I always (laughs) made sure I had a good day. Um, That that kind of brings me to the question of why did you go to Air Force?
1: Well, I grew up around an airport, although I'll have to admit, I I never was in an airplane until I was accepted to the academy. And it was about a month from uh, matriculating uh, with you and 15 others, others. Uh, my parents sent me off in an airplane to visit. Uh, they thought I ought to at least experience flight before I showed up. <laughs> <in the hospital. laughs> uh, but I uh, I grew up kind of hanging out near hangars, uh, watching. Uh, we had a drop zone for parachutes. We actually had a drag race trip on there on weekends at, at Copper Airport in central New Jersey. And uh, I just always thought that'd be pretty keen. Uh, I actually did have a cousin. Class of 69, Dennis McGurk, who went on to to, uh, SAC and and became a full colonel, Uh, had a very distinguished career. He's a uh, company representative in Washington now. Uh, But he kind of whet my appetite. I knew about the Air Force Academy. And uh, when I uh, was looking at schools, uh, I went to a kind of a college prep, Catholic uh, regional high school in central New Jersey. Virtually everyone was accepted to college. ivy league uh, georgetown george washington Uh, we'd sent about a half dozen to notre dame every year and uh, i had applied to the academy gone through the process had a nomination but i also was accepted at the university of notre dame and uh, i was going to go interestingly for you i had a navy rotc scholarship pending uh at, at the university of notre dame came from a long line of irish catholics who were uh so-called Subway alumni. I don't know if you've ever heard that term, but uh, they, these are people like my grandfather and my father who had never set foot on the Notre Dame campus, <laughs> yet they were vociferous fans uh, of the Fighting Irish. So uh, it was it was sort of a, a family uh, prize to uh, to go to the University of Notre Dame. But my dad came to me, of course, I was the oldest of eight at the time. He said, you know, if you want to fly airplanes, you really ought to go to the flying school. And uh, <laughs> of course, in the back of his mind, he had seven other siblings to get through college. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, his—he was sincere. My parents brought me up uh, very patriotic and in, in a with an obligation to serve, serve the country, uh, serve church, uh, you know, serve humanity and. And uh, I, I know they thought that a military academy uh, would would enable that. But uh, uh, that was what I chose, the flying school over, over the fighting
0: Irish. So I uh, I also had a Navy ROTC scholarship to Notre Dame. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> <We could fly laughs> but, but it with... wasn't to be a pilot. It was just to be, you know, just to be an officer. And the and I had it similarly I had an Air Force uh, ROTC scholarship to Notre Dame. But that was a navigator only thing. And I said, well, I, I don't want to go to a place where, where I can't fly. I, I definitely want to go be the pilot guy. So I, I took my pilot waiver to air force and, and that, but that, that's fat. I, I, you just reminded me of that, that I've had those two, uh, I try I like to brag I Turned down two scholarships in Notre Dame so I could go, go for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it
1: was, uh, you know, I really wanted to fly airplanes. Uh, and so it, it was good advice from my dad.
0: So, so that, so you grew up in New Jersey, you were obviously a good student, uh, you had all these opportunities and then you show up at the base of the ramp. Tell, tell me what that first summer was like.
1: Well, I'll back you up a little bit, uh, further, uh, the first night, you know, our parents mail us out to the Academy, right? One way uh, nowadays, uh, I guess a lot of the parents show up, but they put me on a plane Newark, New Jersey, uh, a group of us from, from New Jersey had, uh, uh, competitive nominations in fact so a group of us six of us went out together we stayed in the the old Holiday Inn down nearby Colorado Springs and somewhere along the line somebody overheard somebody talking about wow well this is just perfect except there aren't any girls <laughs> um, and you you're just not going to believe this but there was a knock on the room door uh, that night and uh, there was a, uh, a lady of, of someone's employment looking for business <laughs> so i'm not sure if this goes out on your g-rated podcast <laughs> or not. But well they it's not act- always
0: g-rated so go ahead they
1: were actually hookers uh, working the holiday inn uh and here were these young <laughs> high school guys about to start the academy the next day we must have looked a little uh vulnerable or in need or uh but we we passed on the opportunity but uh, as you know we took the ride up to the the Bring Me men ramp and i had really uh, milked my cousin for uh, all the intel i could get and and i fully expected the uh, the level of harassment we encountered the you know the the hustle the bustle the the shots in the arm the carrying unbelievable weights of gear uh, as i ran around the terrazzo so I, I don't think I was surprised uh, like some of your previous uh, uh, interviewees. I, I was a runner in high school, so the, the running really didn't bother me. And I thought, wow, this this is what I signed up for. You know, game on.
0: Okay. Uh, then they started barking at us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and it didn't, you know, I, I showed up at the Academy, uh, 116 pounds, five foot three. I, I grew while I was there. Wow. Uh, so it, it, it had the potential to be pretty intimidating, but it seemed to me like the bigger guys were getting picked on even more than I was. So, uh, cool. again, I had this feeling like, you know, I'm in it with this class, you know, and I'm going to show everybody around me that, that I have this big a heart as, as everyone else. And, uh, and we're going to make it together. So, uh, what what disappointed me the first week though was that classmates dropped out. I thought, my word, you know, somebody who really wanted this could have had that spot and away you go.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, you, I, my roommate my roommate first day quit. <laughs> I'm going yeah. to the class. Uh, two, two, uh, 48 hours or whatever he was
1: gone. Yeah, I had a roommate from Wyoming uh, same thing first week and it's like surely you, you knew about this place. <laughs> You're one stayed away for heaven's sake. So who,
0: who uh, told you it was gonna be a party man
1: <laughs> Yeah, the party school wasn't even co-ed at the time, right? Yeah, well I, I don't think it's a party school now either. <laughs> no, it's always going to be hard no matter uh, the, the year or the circumstance.
0: All right, so you get through all that junk in the, the B summer. How was a dually year? Well,
1: it uh, it was tough. Uh, we were assigned, a number of us, to 19 squadron, uh, Playboy 19 at the time uh, in the old dorm. They had been the squadron of the year the previous year or possibly two of the previous three years. And there was a very high standard uh, academically, uh, athletically, militarily. And, and, uh, you know, they expected the freshmen to live up to that. Uh, but the other thing they expected us to be was, was pretty much a spirit squad. Uh, I can't tell you how many nights I spent walking the tunnels and at the academy. Uh, we even went up in the ceiling of Mitchell hall and hung banners. You probably remember banners showing up yeah. uh, overhead. Well, I'm one of the you know spider monkeys who was in there climbing at night.
0: So uh, how did you get up there. What, was there a, a passageway in a wall or something? Or
1: yeah, there was a stairway access to get up in the ceiling, and then you just walked girders. I mean, you know, when you think about it now, I, I mean, you know, the the security alert would get set. <laughs> <Well, laughs>
0: yeah, plus uh, without a net down there to catch it, that's pretty dangerous. But that, well, that, we that's cool. Pretty,
1: but we, we would do anything to try and impress uh, the, the upperclassmen uh, in 19, and it was an interesting dynamic because the class is 73, and I, I'll tell you, I, I love that class to this day. They, they were outstanding. Uh, they, were, they were, you know, chill seniors. The firsties had a pretty good back in those days. Uh, they didn't exactly have to set the example, but the two classes under them, 74 and 75, it, it was like having two. Sophomore classes ahead of us. I mean, they just rode us immersively, uh, both of those classes, and uh, certainly learned to hate <laughs> some of them uh, over the years. Uh, you know, bygones have been bygones, but those two classes were very hard on on us in '76. But '73, uh, hmm. they, they they looked out for us in in, in their way. Uh, I, I really appreciated class '73.
0: That's interesting. My my Dooley squadron was the opposite. The, the upper the first years were the hard asses and, and the other guys were trying to help us survive but it was just a real rough rough go that whole first year i was i was only four four squadrons away from us in 15. Oh, okay. they yeah. just love being the jerks and i good grief what is this all about
1: maybe it was that end of the building uh i mean again they set high standards and uh, it was tough to keep up i mean i had gone to a very good high school but uh I had like a two eight the first semester. Cause I, I was up half the night, you know, doing these missions and runs yeah. at four in the morning. And, uh, boy, they, they came to me after that first, uh, report card or whatever we called it there at the Academy and said, Hey, you, you got to up your game. I said, <laughs> no, Look, you let me sleep at night and, and it might reflect, uh, in, uh, in my grades. I mean, I, I did much better, uh, subsequently, but, uh, yeah, that, that was, uh, the academic transition was, was tough because of, uh, you know, I'd thrown myself into all the other phases of, of our yeah. life there.
0: Did you, did you have to stay on the tables the whole year? Were you able to get away for a while or? Uh,
1: I, it never seems like I, I got away. I mean, I, uh, yeah. I, I can remember say, you know, being there in, in, <laughs> with my chin in with, uh, steve campbell and and the tom green and all these other guys who are with me uh yes sir no sir and strawberry uh you remember strawberry mung yeah uh, falling on my shirt and having to shout for a medic and you know all those <laughs> all those fun table games uh yeah i can remember some of the heck second year hometowns to this day it was so <laughs> you know it was burned in with a, a you know a hot poker to my memory so
0: we had some got it on the on the little uh, meal the uh fascinating average meal thing he made us put a comment every time about he wanted pumpernickel bread and i just remember having to write that down every meal <laughs> this guy was at the table
1: you know do uh, you talk about the form 10 I, I the late John Trenton uh, was one of my roommates a brilliant guy became a physician and uh, sadly killed in Europe in, in a biking uh, carver's bike accident but uh, I remember once uh, they, they asked John to uh, to describe uh, at the table uh, some particular anatomy I won't go into exactly what it was and uh, John said, Sir, that is a town on the Sino-Soviet border. And <laughs> and the I mean the, the upperclassmen were so startled at the, the creativity they just said, you're all at rest. <laughs> that was great.
0: <laughs> They're all laughing their butts off, yeah. Oh
1: <laughs> uh, they probably remember that uh yeah an anatomical term to this day.
0: Sino-Soviet <laughs> border. Well, yep, yeah, that's where certain parts of the body meet the other certain parts of the body. <laughs>
1: exactly but i again i i enjoyed the challenge uh, and and those funny opportunities to be creative at, at the, at the, t- the j- tables uh, obviously you were hoping uh, your table was closed and you headed immediately for the jock ramps but uh, yeah 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 when i go back as an alum now it's funny i i've sat in mitchell hall several times and i always kind of migrate to the back jock ramps even today it, it's uh I think it's just the force of habit.
0: Yeah, I, I I've been back a few times for uh, reunions, and I, I will try and sit with the old uh, squadron uh, that I that I remember fondly. Sure. Uh, not not the cadets, obviously, but the the <laughs> and everything. Just trying to get a feel for what they what their attitudes like and what the what how they're doing. But um, yeah. So, so did you, uh, let's see, so Dooley, you seem to, you gap through that? Okay, because it sounds like you told me earlier that you are, are still buddies with the guys from your Dooley squadron.
1: Yeah, it's uh, wonderful. Uh, we've had a recent Zoom with uh, our Dooley squadron, and uh, it, it's just a delight. You know, people don't really change that much. You know, the folks who were kind of clowns back then or clowns in retirement and, and those who were driven then uh, are, are still driven and, and not likely retired at all. Or, or if they are retired, they're, you know, climbing mountains or uh, saving the world. So <laughs> it's uh, it's been fun to look back uh, the, those uh, 50 years. But it's not a year you'd want to relive. Uh, you, you, obviously, <laughs> uh, you know, we were probably in the best shape of our lives. Uh, and uh, a privileged group uh, heading where we all, we, as we were for her flying careers or careers of service uh, on the high seas, like some chose. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I was going to say, yeah, we're in the best shape of our lives after Dually Year, but we still had to hang in there for another little summer event that that first uh, third class summer. Did you uh, uh, have I, any stories of that one?
1: <laughs> I, well, I was lean and mean, and I, I went right into Siri.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: uh, and then I went to, uh, to airborne school. So
0: Dude, if we're you know, many. <laughs> yeah,
1: can you imagine? And and those memories, you know, when I, it brings tears to my eyes to this day, when I hear the star spangled banner and salute the flag, yeah. I can still see coming out of the POW camp, uh, yeah. saluting the real, uh, United States or People's Republic, uh, whatever they called it, uh. Yeah at the time, I, you know, with tears in my eyes, uh, that moment stays with me to this day. Uh, uh, On a lighter note, uh, one of the more pleasurable moments of my life that stays with me is 5.30 in the morning, Fort Benning, Georgia in July, laying down with my pot as my pillow uh, on on the hot, already hot tarmac before fall in having five minutes of sleep before I could (laughs) fall in for the day. Uh, You know, just, it's funny how those, those moments stay with you. The Uh, thing
0: I I did this similar, I I had to leave and then Siri, then Fort Benning. And I remember Fort Benning specifically for the fact that we could eat anything we wanted (laughs) 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 because I had lost so much weight on the, uh, the trek in the Siri thing that I, we just, with that, it was like, it was like a, A health club thing because it was hot and sticky and you're, you're in great shape. You don't care about them running and all that, but they're letting you eat all the food you wanted at the chow (laughs) hall.
1: You you did that. Well, I, I remember fire guard duty in the middle of the night and uh, some of the, you know, Air Force appreciation moments that the uh, Army served up. But again, it was a great comrade uh, experience with 300 of our classmates and at the way the, the drill instructors carved out the west pointers among us they were a handful of new second lieutenants and oh my word did they get grief <laughs> from the cadre uh, but we we were 300 air force against the army and it, it was great it was
0: spirited i loved it pretty pretty fun stuff so um then you show up for your upper class experience which is uh, always a big transition at least in our era. Dulier was one squadron, and the other three were in a different squadron, right?
1: Right. I didn't move far. I moved to Reb Eleven. Uh, stayed in the, in old dorm. Uh, I, I'm one of those refuseniks who won't uh, stay say the name of the old dorm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. having experienced his his wrath uh, as commandant, you know, or it was his uh, son yeah.
0: his son's wrath? Right.
1: Son's wrath. Yeah, his son's yeah. wrath. But uh, still, I. I I'm just an old old dorm, new dorm guy, but it, it was a welcome transition, uh, to, to the lemon squadron, a wonderful, uh, group of guys there. And, uh, we, we had a, it was a little more of a laid back squadron. They, 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 they weren't there to, to win the squadron of the year every year and just, uh, emphasized academics and, and decent appearance, but not overdoing it, uh, It it was a wonderful three-year run there in in, in Rev 11. I had another advantage, though, during freshman year. And you remember, we had mandatory chapel our first summer. The Supreme Court uh, overturned that or made that illegal. Well, you know, the chapel for me was my refuge. uh, And I qualified for both the Cadet to Catholic Choir and the Cadet Corral. Oh, cool. my my upper-class years... uh, you know, I, I enjoyed uh, hearing uh, another classmate talk about uh, debate and the forensics team and all the travel. Uh, we traveled extensively with the, both the, the chorale and, and the choir. Uh, in fact, it was my social life because we, we would go up to Loretta Heights and uh, CWC, Colorado Women's, and do joint, joint concerts. We went to uh, Wellesley College all the way back in uh, near Boston and wow. had a joint, joint concert, uh, sang in St. Patrick's Cathedral, uh, did, uh, you know, halftime shows at sporting events, Miss America pageant. I mean, uh, New Orleans, can't believe the Academy took us down there to New Orleans three years in a row for Mardi Gras. Uh,
0: wow. <laughs> for Mardi Gras. Wow.
1: Yeah. It's the Catholic choir. Uh, we, we, uh, I guess they wanted to tempt us to see if we were true to our faith. <laughs>
0: if, if you were uh, really giving anything up for Limp.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it was. Uh, and we would we would sing at the the crew parties, K-R-E-W-E parties, yeah, yeah. the Bacchus and the others. Uh, and we would go to St. Louis Cathedral uh, for one event and uh, stayed in community homes. So you developed uh, really families, of uh, friendship throughout the country, uh, San Francisco, Chicago, L.A., new orleans uh, of course back east i, I stayed with my own family but uh, that was really a refuge from uh, the pressures of the academy to to travel and sing and, and represent the academy in, in such a fine way
0: that's cool so what uh so academics you uh I, i'm just assuming you did a, a great background to get into med school you had to have some kind some kind of cool major right well i
1: wouldn't call it cool i i'm always looking for a challenge i majored in computer science so oh wow uh, i just thought it was it was kind of the hardest thing i i ran into uh and uh i did fortunately i did a joint major in comp sci and, and management so uh management kind of kept my gpa up and and uh Peter science kept my my gpa down so you know i i Uh, Interestingly, I ended up at about a, you know, three two five with it with 200 and something semester hours because of the double major. I had I had a semester with 26 semester hours. Just, you know, you know, we had crazy academic loads there, Uh, but I I made it crazier still. But when I went to apply for med school after I flew airplanes, by the way, uh, they were basically adding 1.0 to my GPA. Uh, For one, they knew how difficult it was at a military academy, but they also, they knew the integrity of our work, you know, that, that the honor code really meant something. Uh, and that was acknowledged wherever I went, uh, with, with rare exception, there were still some, some hangover, uh, Vietnam war, uh, protesters out there, anti-war folk, uh, who held that against uh, us, uh, ex-military. But other than that, I felt like they were they were adding to my my GPA at the academy because uh, of of what it meant, and, and I and I really I, and that's true. I credit anyone who graduates from any of the military academies with with high academic standards. You, you, even if you you know if you uh, were one higher than Milo Dragovich on the curve and passed, well, that, if the men wasn't good enough, it wouldn't have been the men, right?
0: That's unfortunately that was my motto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My other motto was don't let academics interfere with your education.
1: Well you are <laughs> like that's what you do throughout life and yeah, yeah I mean when I went back to school, uh, I actually went back to school after I left the Air Force for a chemistry degree so I could qualify for med school. It, it was it was just easy. It, 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 you just had academics for heaven's sakes, not all the other pressures. so yeah, I had no trouble uh, in, in medical school academically coming from a military academy.
0: Yeah, I have a—I uh, have this weird dip in my academic record. I have good grades in high school, good grades in grad school, and I have this barely two O at the academy. <laughs> it's like everybody's going, "What happened there?" And I—were you just partying? I go, "Yeah, I was partying. I was polishing <laughs> shoes all night long, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. buffing floors you- and polishing <laughs> shoes." Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, did you ever think of quitting? uh you know i i just
1: i guess i was just so busy uh you know i knew a lot of folks were were going through that math the end of second year but uh it was just an adventure for me and and i didn't want to give up the adventure uh you know i had third lieutenant to look forward to uh, many other uh experiences that the academy had to offer and uh i don't know I, i looking back i i can't remember a moment when i thought about quitting uh the Academy may have thought about getting rid of me but I, <laughs> no way I no wasn't going to leave there I was I was you know my community had sent me and a great expense uh, to be here and the taxpayers uh, uh, deserved a, a soldier and a warrior at the end and that's that's what I was there
0: to become and did then you mentioned third lieutenant did you have a memorable third lieutenant?
1: you know I did I, I went to RAF Upper Hayford. Wow, uh, a place I'd never heard of before. I can't say I applied for that, but uh, I don't remember how they even selected us. And uh, yeah, I spent three uh, wonderful uh, weeks uh, in in the UK. Uh, we got an F one eleven ride. Talk about you know flying in the beast. Uh, what, what an airplane uh, running up to Scotland and putting it on hard ride at low altitude. I thought this is this is this is living. <laughs> The British uh, toured us around a number of their bases. I remember seeing even the actually the mock-up of the Concorde. It had not yet flown yet. Um, I'd have to go back in the history books and look at the dates because it was seventy four. Uh, it may have been test flight, but they uh, yeah it took three of us cadets uh, in in the airplane to look at the Concorde. Um, so I thought, wow, there's there's a future in aviation, and it looks pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's 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 great. Um, so you are obviously you're taking a ton of academic uh, load, and you're and you're you're putting up with all the PT stuff with uh, with uh, intramurals and everything. I assume you're on Dean's list all the time, right?
1: Uh not always. I I was always on the comm list, but I, I think I was only half the time on the Dean's list. Uh, uh, I I don't know. I it wasn't really something to which I uh, necessarily aspired uh, you know I, I i want i graduated about 150th in our class so we had that blue chip program if you you probably don't recall that but if you here in the top like uh i don't know what it was 20 percent of the class you had a guaranteed master's uh ride hmm. at some point uh but i i was more interested in flying so you know i, I went right to flying school i i didn't go there to uh, to go on to grad school right away, uh, like, although you know many of the brightest in our class obviously did and went on to uh, become astronauts and and physicists and all kinds of uh, contributors. So, but my contribution was going to be in the flying uh, field, and uh, I, I made the best of my senior year. I was a squadron commander. I worked for Phil Julian on the group staff uh, in Second Group, and. Uh, I, I just really, it flew by. I don't know how it was for you, but uh, my senior year was, was just icing on the cake.
0: I made it through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I squeaked through. Phil, Phil tried to kill me, but uh, I made it through. You know, I had
1: my worst moment like a week before graduation as a senior. Uh, we had, you know, what was left of hell week at that time. And then Phil, as group commander, had read us uh, the Riot Act—that you know, no abuse of the duallys. and they didn't want to see anything, uh, you know, humiliating going on, just physical and et cetera. Well, sure, shooting. Here comes Phil Julian through the, our our squadron, and we got Dooleys out there running in place, and a couple of them decide to put buckets over their heads, right <laughs> on their own, and um. I. Had to, squadron commander I got tagged for that and I ended up on like confinement the day before my parents were coming out for graduation <laughs> I mean it was like it was awful and uh and Phil understood but he said you know I laid down the rules and I came to your squadron and you know you, you a couple of your dualies had buckets on their heads and you know that that wasn't acceptable and you're responsible. That might have convinced me right there that I was never going to become a general in the Air Force. And, well, uh, be, Phil be, and I were
0: duly uh, classmates. We were together in the uh, fifteen squadron. And I think it stuck with him longer than it did with me, the uh, uh, strict military bearing. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I had all the respect in the world for Phil, and I, I understood. Uh, but, uh, you know, I thought, I, I can't live a life where, you know, I can't control people who do stupid things uh, and, and make me responsible for it. But uh, I I don't think that that really deterred my career. I, I had other things to do uh, after flying, but uh, I still remember that, that moment. That was probably the, the really bottom of my senior year, but. Uh, yeah.
0: It, oh yeah. The very end. Yeah. yeah. As
1: you know, the next week we, we, we celebrated <laughs> our achievement uh, and, and it was, it was just fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic to, Graduate from military academy to be a, a second lieutenant, to be single, have a, a new car and 60 days off before flying school.
0: <laughs> and then you go get to go to Columbus, Mississippi.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, in the interim, I, I went to, uh, I jumped a flight down to Hawaii. I, I don't know who I went with. I, I wish some of our classmates would hear this and reach out to me. But I, about six of us ended up in a room at the halikoa Hotel. <laughs> uh and uh there were some interesting experiences there actually i won't go into uh, uh but they were emanating from the next room uh but i uh i eventually peeled off and went to Kauai, uh, uh, oh. on a pack, backpack packing uh, trip on a moped by myself but uh, uh, that was a great summer because we, we had that adventure and then the summer olympics were in uh, montreal yeah. And, uh, my roommate uh, at, in 11 Squadron was Alan Patrick Quinn, who's from Bate uh, Bade, Bade Urfie, uh in, in French, it sounds a little prettier, uh, kind of uh, west of Montreal. And uh, huh. I took a brother uh, up to Montreal. And with Alan's family, we went to a bunch of uh, Olympic events that summer. So, a uh, great couple of months before uh, showing up in uh, Columbus, Mississippi, as a, <laughs> as a Yankee boy, you know, coming from New Jersey. Uh-huh. Yeah,
0: Uh, yeah.
1: everybody wanted to go to Willie, but I I wanted to go to the South to experience that Southern culture. I figured the weather would be a little worse and better for flying training than clearing a million every day. So, yeah, (laughs) I I started flying with the, oh, I think it was 7808 uh, there that that July of of 76.
0: And then, so I apparently did pretty good at that because you ended up getting F-15s, right?
1: You know, I, you gotta make a lemonade out of lemons. I, I was on the base soccer team and I had just soloed in T 37s and I had a devastating knee injury. Um, a mm-hmm. guy on the other team just, just ran right through me and, and tore up my knee and I ended up, uh, grounded for six months. And, and you could imagine, I mean, I thought my career was over. I was never oh, going to fly again. It was devastating. Um, uh, but uh, I had a wonderful experience at three months of rehab, and then they put me on casual status. And I was the assistant to the CBPO, CBPO chief. Do you remember the personnel office, CBPO? I think it was called. <laughs> I didn't.
0: We didn't call it that in the Navy, so I don't know. Oh
1: yeah, you're a Navy. Yeah, it was like <laughs> the Consolidated Base Personnel Office, CBPO. And this this Major Dwyer, Jerry Dwyer put a little desk next to his desk and made me his assistant. And I mean, I I almost married the guy's daughter. <laughs> uh, he taught me all kinds of things about how to take care of commanders, you know, how to be a great staff officer. I I'd have never known that if I'd just flown airplanes. It, it was a tremendous break. Uh, I'm still, he's uh, the deceased. I made his, uh, sorry. <clears throat> I get a, get a glass of water. I made his uh, funeral at Arlington, which was which oh, is tremendous. Uh, but thank God I, I got back to flying. And uh, I defaulted into a class. Uh, I, so I was 7708. I misspoke before. I ended up at 7803. And it was the first F-15 assignment to Columbus that had ever come through for wow. a class. And I got it. Uh, and I remember I had a flight once with the top a guy in my class who was an ROTC guy and my instructor came to me that day and he said you're going out with the squadron commander he's going to be in the pit of the other guy Dave Scalaris and you're going to be on the wing and if you want to go fly something big and gray you have the flight of your life and uh, I did and that was a nice tip-off by my uh, my flight instructor uh, and I, I just got lucky I I stayed in the you might remember the T-38 had mirrors on it, and uh, I must have stayed in the mirror of the squadron commander the whole flight, no matter what maneuvers they put on, because uh, I got that F-15, and I, it, it, the rest is history for my life. I, what a wonderful
0: break. So you got to go to Luke uh, for, for, the, for the F-15 training, right?
1: Yeah, fighter lead did first, of course. Uh, I don't know if you spent any time at Holloman, but we... We single guys always said there was, you know, there are lots of women there, one behind every tree, just no trees <laughs> uh, at all. And uh, I, I had a wonderful roommate, uh, God rest his soul, Dave Mayer, wonderful human being. Uh, he spent most of the night there killing cockroaches, as I remember. <laughs> but he, he was a wonderful guy. Uh, sadly, was killed in an A 10 accident, uh, mm. in a training flight, I think, in, in Italy uh, a year or two later. But we were roommates of fighter lead in. Uh, I had a great experience there. Moved on to Luke. You might remember, though, the F 15 was, was somewhat engineless at the time. They'd had all kinds of engine problems, and about every third airplane had no engine. Uh, so we sat at Luke for six months as casual uh, students. There were four of us. Uh, there were three ROTC guys, uh, two well, two FAPEs, uh, if I can use that term, first Simon IPs, and then an ROTC guy and me. And, and uh, this this guy John Brennan, that my my comrade, uh, he was he was Glove was his call sign. He was a, a good defender in, in basketball. We called him Glove. <laughs> He went on to be a three-star general. I mean, he he was outstanding, and here I was in a group of four. But we we uh, graded gun camera film, and we flew uh, pit rides whenever we could. So I actually started uh, six months later in the RTU, the Replacement Training Unit. But I I had a whole bunch of F-15 pit rides uh, uh, behind me, uh, which which was really uh, you know a benefit to to my training. Uh, sure, it was a privilege. I was in the Triple Nickel Squadron, and you know. What an historic, uh, famous yeah. squadron from Vietnam era. And uh, it, almost everybody there had been in Vietnam. Those were prize assignments, as, as you imagine, for the F-4 guys coming out of Vietnam. And some of them flown uh, F-100s and thuds. And, and, I mean, what a bunch of warriors to be around. It, it, was, it was fabulous.
0: Get all their bad habits. <laughs> Learn all oh, their- yeah. We yeah.
1: got to the bar as soon as we could. No yeah. doubt about that. But uh, they, it was about flying and fighting uh, for them.
0: Yeah. And I flew with a bunch of uh, ex Vietnam guys and they were, they were just had a different way of thinking. <laughs> they did not go by the book at all.
1: <laughs> no. And they worship Robin Olds. Uh, I don't know if you've read uh, Fighter Pilot uh, by Robin and, and his daughter, but uh, it, just a very motivational book for me to this day. Uh, and he was certainly a hero too. To many, uh, and, and as was Robbie Reisner and, you know, the POWs, we had, a, a, I think, two ex-POWs in, in the F-15 RTU. They, they couldn't go operational because of uh, certain health issues, but they qualified, waived them to be uh, F-15 instructors. Just great
0: people. That's cool. And And then, if I'm reading this correctly, you got to go from sunny Arizona to slightly less sunny Germany.
1: Uh, yeah, and that was uh, a detour in itself. Uh, again, you, you don't know what life has in store for you. Uh, I was supposed to go to Eglin, as was uh, my <laughs> car, Brett, other uh, former uh, ATC guys, uh, but they didn't have enough airplanes or enough engines to stand up. The, the, I think it was the 33rd wing. Uh, hadn't stood up at Eglin yet. So uh, lo and behold, I get orders to Germany. and like come um, like, really? You know? I didn't ask for that but sounds good <laughs> so uh, off, off i go to the uh, 525th Tactical fighter Squadron, 36th wing uh, and uh, you know you get there and it's all these again these guys who had gotten the prize you know they'd earned it they they got shot out of vietnam uh, some of them had had kills uh, roger smith was there who was better known as streak eagle he'd been the test pilot that set all the f-15 time to climb records he had the the hundred thousand foot record uh, that he broke the, the broke the fox bats record um mm-hmm. in fact i i remember rogers uh, going away he he said uh well program would have gone if i couldn't relight the engines on the way back down <laughs> uh, You know, you you think about these test guys and and what they go through, but, uh, you know, one after the other, these lieutenant colonels, majors, captains, uh, but they needed snack bar officers like us, right? Right, Anson? (laughs) Anson You know, somebody had to buy the beer and and the squadron memorabilia and and load up for the parties. And uh, so there I was, you know, snacko of the 525th Tactical Fighter Squadron uh, on the leading edge of the Cold War. And it was, I, I I was lucky.
0: And then I imagine you had a lot of interesting flying uh, experiences. Uh, did you ever have any close calls? Well,
1: probably my closest call was in uh, training at Luke. Uh, I, I was on the wing at night in the weather, air refueling. And, you know, you're set up for problems, right, uh, and uh, somehow, uh, I, we, we went through the tanker formation. I mean, literally, <laughs> I saw like a taillight flash before my eyes. And I'm on the wing, you know, trying to k- keep up in the weather. And an argument starts on the air between the commander <laughs> of the air refueling wing, who was a reserve colonel, and the lead of our flight, uh, a guy named Dick Seaver, another guy died in the F-15 wreck um arguing over who was off altitude <laughs> uh and they had they had other fighters in tow at the time we ran through their formation and i i just thought you know i could have lit up the sky over northern arizona you know it was it was, I, I never had that close a call in operational flying and, and uh-huh. i we pushed our limits uh, at low altitude uh, all over europe we'd spent four months of the year away from bitburg uh up to Norway, down to Turkey. Of course, we had an Iron Curtain in front of us at that time, so we couldn't uh, go too far east. But uh, yeah, that was probably the closest call uh, I ever had. Uh, but I'm proud to say I flew a 1,000 hours in the F-15, and I brought every airplane and everybody back from every mission. Uh, we, we were never shooting, uh, I kept the peace. Uh, uh, my mother's prayers were answered, she always said. <laughs> Uh, we we won the Cold War for Reagan without fa- firing a shot. Uh, <laughs> you know, I escorted uh, Soviet uh, bombers uh, several times uh, over uh, the North Sea, but you know, out there their stars red, ours is white, and we're, you know, Tovarish in their words, uh, you know, comrades. Really, it's it's death to end up in the North Sea, as you know, and uh, nobody. We were just taking pictures of each other, but uh, you know, it was uh, it was a privilege to contribute to the. Our country and President Reagan winning the Cold
0: war and we were we were uh, doing similar things in South China Sea, giving them uh, uh, different hand signals <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I hear you. I did have one freaky experience uh, we I pulled in for the first time on on a bear bomber, and I got in pretty close to a uh, gunner's window at the back and they're they're holding up a sign. I forget what it said, but Uh, suddenly my plane starts vibrating and uh, I thought oh my god you know there's like this invisible ray they didn't tell us (laughs) Uh, but you remember that thing had 10 reciprocating engines so I got the prop wash yeah wash the engines and it was shaking literally shaking my airplane Uh, but I, I still remember that going through my head uh briefly transiently that oh my word they you know they didn't get the intel uh on this one but uh it was exciting to be out there uh i have one other i have another story though i took a new lieutenant out there three f-15s with three uh bags of fuel on board um and we would just you know punch holes in the sky for hours waiting on the bombers and we were intercepting each other so we had one dry uh duty out there i think we're out for six hours and we land and the this young lieutenant comes up and he says you know that the airplane really really ailerons ro- rolls funny when you have these three tanks on board and i and i said lieutenant have you ever read the prohibited maneuvers page the flight manual and again i had to come back like without my wingman not knowing how this guy went down uh just you you just never know who you're out there with
0: that's funny so if i'm reading this correctly after germany you, you went off to education or did is that when you made the decision to leave I am, i'm a little unclear on that
1: yeah i had met my wife there she was a jag officer and uh we met and married a year later so we had one year uh together married and and had uh, I had extended about as long as the Air Force was going to let me extend. So I was coming up for assignment. So we got married uh, rather quickly so we could have joint assignment. Uh, I was signed to fighter lead in, and she was signed to the base at Holloman. Um, and I took what you remember as a seven-day option uh, to leave because I thought, well, before I'm 30, if I'm going to become a doctor for the rest of my life, I, I, I need to get on with it. Uh, I had applied to bases mainly that were close to medical schools uh like uh, you know lubbock uh, there, there's a med school right there and there are a number of other towns but since i got assigned to Holloman, where there was no medical school where i could fly and and maybe start working my way towards med school i, I just i seven day opt and and, and got out and uh, in in contrast to what i said before about Holloman, the the year or two years spent there married we're probably two of the best years of my life. You know, we oh we wonderful... You weren't
0: you weren't looking behind trees anymore. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're exactly
1: right. Yeah, I, I was on the uh, National Ski Patrol for two years and uh, just uh, flew privately. Uh, you know, had great friends there. Of course, I knew half the people. The 49th uh, Wing was there with F-15s as well as fighter lead in, so I knew half the people there and. Uh, Grew a great beard and, and got smart at New Mexico State and uh, was accepted to medical school in New Mexico and uh, California. Uh, my intention was to become an eye surgeon uh, where my uncle was uh, practicing in California. So uh, I, choose to, I chose to leave New Mexico and, and go out to L.A. Uh, to USC.
0: Now, USC, was that on the GI Bill still or what was the deal there? Well, yeah,
1: you know, we had that uh, generous old GI Bill um, yeah. and used it for flying training like many of our classmates. I probably I, I used some, but uh, I should use more. Uh, but, yeah, it, it ended up paying me about 55 months uh, at USC. Now, it paid the rent in Los Angeles. It ended- I know it, it doesn't
0: cover everything, but it's a, I, I did it for grad school myself and it was it turned out to be a pretty good deal.
1: Oh no complaints. Uh, You know, my wife had been assigned to Bergstrom reassigned in the meantime. Uh, So I had to go to Bergstrom with her while I waited on a med school start. I actually drove an ambulance for the city of Austin uh, for uh, six months before med school. And I tell you, everybody who becomes a doctor ought to go ride an ambulance for six months. You you really uh, learn uh, about patients and, you know, in their bar and their home and their street and their hotel. Uh, you know, we in medicine have our sterile, uh, ERs and ORs and clinics. Uh, it's better to go see the patients where they live. You, you become.
0: Get get out where the, uh, where the action's happening.
1: Oh, <laughs> action. I mean, I knew, I knew the prostitutes by, by first name after
0: a while. Uh, well, that just goes back to your first night before the Academy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah how come that's <laughs> following me around? But, uh, you know. Uh, women would be just you know these johns would beat them up and then we would come uh, pick them up out of the streets it it was it was very tragic i mean i i've really advocated for women throughout my life because i've 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 seen that you know victim side of it and it's not pretty it's not pretty it's not glamorized it's it's not the you know the woman in the red dress or whatever no uh, famous movie was
0: Yeah, all the navy bases were crawling with that stuff and it's pretty rough rough deal I, I was a legal officer in the Navy, had to deal with a lot of weird stuff. Um, mm. so what, um, what was Utah like?
1: Utah. Well, I, I did, uh, Southern Cal for four years and then I made it to Utah as an intern. So, uh, uh as we discussed before, getting through med school was, you know, it's always work, but it wasn't hard coming from military academy. Um, I, I, I love, I had relatives on the West coast, uh, spent a lot of time at their beach house uh, studying and in the, in the off season. And uh, my wife had a job at U S space command and, and we had a, we had a real life out there. Uh, and I had full intention to stay in LA and, and do my residency and join my uncle. But four years in Los Angeles, uh, you know, no offense to you folks on the West coast, but I, I thought this, this isn't where I want to raise my kids. Um, I, I really started looking back uh, back back west. So going to Utah as an intern was part of that that transition uh, where I as I and eventually ended up at the University of Oklahoma and in my eye surgery residency. Um, I'll always thank Utah, though, because, uh, John, it must be in the water because the only pregnancy my wife and I ever achieved was in <laughs> Utah. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, for um, the I, higher elevation too,
1: right? <laughs> I don't know, but God bless uh, Utah, because uh, my 32-year-old daughter uh, is, is a gift. Uh, as I've said to you before, I have five other children who are all adopted. But that, yeah, that was our, our one conception, so that it's in the water in Utah, folks.
0: And then, so uh, as I understand it, you did some uh, ophthalmology practice and then a fellowship at University of uh, Oklahoma followed by a little departure off to Riyadh.
1: Yes. Uh, just, you know, my wife and I had, had always had the travel bug. Uh, we had actually three children by the end of residency. Uh, I had a wonderful time there. I stayed an extra year in what's called fellowship. And I thought, man, the anchor is going to get pretty dug in here pretty soon. Here's our last chance to, to get off the, the CONUS. Uh, and I I interviewed for a job in Riyadh, uh, working in a civilian hospital, the King Khalid Eye Specialist Hospital. Uh, you had to have specialized training. I was specialized train. I was trained in glaucoma and cornea surgery, and they they had to be looking for two people uh, in in that uh, specialty field at the time, and it, it was a match. Uh, from the time I interviewed in Houston, it was like, yes, when can you come here? So uh, she worked for the U.S. military training mission in, in Saudi Arabia. You submit them. Uh, it, it was called uh, as reservists. My wife was out of the military by then, but doing reserve duty as a JAG. And uh, we, I was uh, full-up faculty at the, at the King Khalidai Specialist Hospital. Uh, we had a live-in uh, nanny who was from Eritrea and uh, taking care of our three girls. They went to French preschool, and, the, and life was good. Uh, you, you can't get live and help for fifty cents an hour in this country. So, um, and we were paying twice the rate the Saudis were paying at the time. This was, of course, in the mid '90s. But uh, yeah, we, we we had a good life there. It was a, a very good salary, uh, and all you know, we had to pay for phone and food for the year. That was all the expense you had. They had housing, they had travel. We had fifty days off a year, so it was a ten-month contract, and. Uh, it was basically first world uh, medicine we had all the resources in the world uh, the saudis uh put out for that and and we had third world eye issues so uh Mm. it was a tremendous place to uh to hone my craft and and uh, kind of start to learn about international uh uh, eye care which is something i always wanted to do i always wanted to do mission work but this was this was mission work with pay so uh, it paid off my student debt and uh, and uh, saved a few bucks and uh, i actually would have stayed another year they were offering me another contract my wife had a great position but in the meantime i had given my word i didn't have a contract but i gave my word that i would come back to western kansas to this practice which was very in a very underserved area uh, i was approaching 40 and I knew I had to be busy uh, kind of the day I got back. And, and this was an opportunity to, to do that. Uh, so uh, I left Saudi after a year, but uh, probably with some regret. I, I wish I'd stayed uh, at least an extra year. We were between wars over there, uh, 94, 95. So it was very peaceful uh, and uh, really a privilege to, to take care of so many people.
0: And so, so you came back to Garden City where you are now, and that's the Fry Eye Clinic?
1: Yes. Yeah. I joined Luther Fry. Uh, he's 81 years old, practicing uh, medical ophthalmology, not surgery. Uh, and he's I, I always called him Mother Teresa uh, because <laughs> he, he he was a guy who was the uh, only child of a very humble uh, parents who happened to own lots of farm ground with oil and gas rights under them. Uh, so he's a guy who who really didn't have to work a day in his life. So he stayed here where he grew up and, and decided that he would just take care of everybody, everybody that walked in the door. You know, it was his mission here in, in the country. And I thought, you know, that's the kind of person I want to be associated with. Uh, and and it's been a great twenty twenty seven year run here. And well, I
0: was going to say two years after you went back to join him, you became the president of the outfit, right? Well, that's that political
1: uh, itch. Uh, <laughs> well, we had an issue uh, with optometry wanting to do more in, in glaucoma care than they should. Uh, were trained to do. And it was a political battle. And I was one of now three glaucoma specialists in the entire state. And the other two didn't want to get involved. So I got you know pushed out in front, right? To be,
0: okay. So uh, yeah. volunteers step forward and two guys step back and you're the guy standing <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah.
1: But it but it led to uh, quite a political involvement, uh, to, to which, you know, I, I to this day, I'm still connected. I, I wasn't from Kansas, uh, as you know, from my background, New Jersey, but yeah. certainly my adopted home. And, you know, I've gone from virtually unknown to now the state representative of of this area and have even run for Congress uh, from West Kansas. So. Um yeah I I, I got very po- politically involved and um you know it, 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 these are our dollars it's not government money it's your money and mine and yeah. I'll always care uh, how it's used and where it goes so uh, you know my I stepped up and uh, have served in political office uh locally for uh, uh 12 19 years and now one year at the state level and hopefully reelected to uh, return my wife is uh, on her state board of education she's actually an elected official as well so we're uh, we're we're very uh, connected uh just saw our ag last week attorney general who's running for governor likely to be the next governor of the state and i always kid people that being a small state we we literally all know each other in Kansas. <laughs> uh, but yeah. we consider how few people you know really care and and step up and and get involved uh, in fundraisers and all the things that go with politics. Uh, You know, you kind of do get to know everybody in a hurry.
0: Well, and I, and I think that's a, that's a point that I, we're we're not supposed to talk parties and all that stuff, but I think it's important to know that Academy guys can, can lead in all kinds of fashions and all kinds of manners and, and being involved in your community to help your community out is, is one of the ways and it, it could manifest itself in all kinds of different avenues. And what Cliff has done here is he, he's applied his medical practice and his, his leadership skills to uh, the, the area that he lives in and helping, helping them uh, on, on the legislative side.
1: Yeah, and, and it's, you know, it's not partisan politics to, politics to talk, talk about politics. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, these things matter. When you know, uh, I, I you think about the Middle East. I mean, we use Arabic numbers to this day, right? Yeah. that Arabs, like, they invented lots of science. You know, their art was stunning. Their their building, their architecture, but they got the politics wrong, and it, it unfortunately has had great impact on on the progress of their society. So. Uh, yeah, I've read a number of books, uh, you know, about politics. Uh, you know, fortunately in this country we don't use, uh, at least not yet, bayonets uh, to solve uh, things. We use politics, and and as uh, you know, anxiety-provoking as that is for people, it, it beats all the other systems. Um, yeah. and, and you have to be part of the process. That's that's how we do it in this country, and I I love it. I I'll tell you, I love it. And at the state level, John. We're collegial. You know, everybody sees the national dialogue and, and yeah. how broken Washington, D.C. is. So sad to see that from either side of the aisle. In Kansas, you know, we're all Kansans, and, and we can't print money, and we have to create a budget, we have to fix the roads, provide health care, uh, and we have to solve problems. And serving at the state level, uh, you know, I'd really encourage people to, to get out there and serve at the state and local level, because you really can can move the needle and, and have an impact on on the community in which you live,
0: and and move the needle in the right way, you know, in the in the way that most helps your your folks as opposed to some some external <laughs> thing that you get. And that, yeah. that's one thing about the academy, the honor code, and the uh, the academics you get. You you kind of know intuitively what what's right and what's wrong even if you may not be totally dialed in and just a little bit of research you can figure out what's wrong and and we see it up here all the time
1: yeah these lessons are are in every state in the union uh, and some are again uh left-leaning or right-leaning but uh, i think people are well-meaning yeah. uh, whatever their politics uh and, and i've been very pleased by most of the people i've met in politics uh, the citizens tend to be a bit cynical about it, but uh, you know, I, I've met well-meaning people who were doing this at a great sacrifice, uh, income sacrifice and, or their legal practices is going nowhere because they're in Topeka, not back home. Uh, and uh, and I, I admire the folks who are there and, and I'd, I'd welcome more academy grads because I, I trust uh, fellow grads uh, implicitly. <laughs> Sometimes you can't trust everybody in politics.
0: Well, well, Cliff, I appreciate this. I think the crowd will enjoy these uh, stories. This has been great. Thanks for being part of this.
1: Well, thanks for giving me the privilege. And uh, I, as you know, I'm currently finishing my uh, COVID quarantine. <laughs> uh, I get to go operate tomorrow again, thank God. But uh, I, uh, I'll spend part of it, the rest of it, uh, listening to more of your podcasts. And, and I wish you luck. I think this is a wonderful thing you're doing for, for, for all concerned uh, and if we, if the class 26 has time to listen, I think they have some great lessons to learn,
0: or things not to do. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, uh, you know, uh, fail early. You know, it worked. For-